Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Debbie Thomas. My essay this week is entitled, One of Us, and it's based upon the lectionary readings for January 9th, 2022, the first Sunday after the Epiphany. I love the yearly rhythm of our church seasons, but I'll admit that I find the transition from Christmas to Epiphany a bit jarring. One minute, we're gazing at a swaddled baby. The next, we're whizzing past a toddler, an array of gift-bearing magi, a young family fleeing to Egypt, a 12-year-old boy in a temple, and a mother pondering all these things in her heart. And then? Then we're standing in a long line of people by the banks of the Jordan River. Ahead of us, waist-deep in the water, John the Baptist bellows a no-nonsense call to repentance. Behind us, at the very end of the long line, stands that once-upon-a-time baby, all grown up. Thirty years have gone by, and the promised baby is about to come into his promise. On the other hand, even though the fast-forward between seasons feels abrupt, I'm grateful that the first glimpse we get of Jesus' adult life is during his baptism. I'm especially grateful this year, because a baptism story recorded in the Gospels speaks to a question we all need to be asking in these difficult and divisive times. How can we live well together? How can we belong well together? What must we do to embrace a truly common life as human beings coexisting on this struggling planet? The word epiphany comes from the Greek epiphania, meaning appearing or revealing. During this brief liturgical season between Christmas and Lent, we're invited to leave miraculous births and angel choirs behind and seek the love, majesty, and power of God in seemingly mundane things. Rivers, voices, doves, clouds, holy hands covering ours, lowering us into the water of repentance and new life. In the gospel stories we read during this season, God parts the curtain for brief, shimmering moments, allowing us to look beneath and beyond the ordinary surfaces of our lives and catch glimpses of the extraordinary. Which is perhaps another way of describing the sacrament of baptism, in which the extraordinary of God's grace blesses the ordinary water we stand in. Whatever else Jesus' baptism story is, it is first and foremost a story of the sacred ordinary. That is, it's a story of profound humility. The holy child conceived of the Holy Spirit, celebrated by angels, worshipped by shepherds, and feared by Herod, stands in the same muddy water we stand in. The Messiah's first public act is a declaration of solidarity. God is one of us. In case we're tempted to skip over this aspect of the story too quickly, it's worth noting that the baptism of the Lord has raised awkward questions ever since it happened 2,000 years ago. According to Christian historian John Dominic Crossan, Jesus' baptism was an acute embarrassment for the early church because it didn't fit the triumphalist messianic image the church hoped to portray. Why would the Son of God place himself under the tutelage of a rabble-rouser like John the Baptist? Why would a supposedly sinless Messiah need a baptism of repentance? Did Jesus really wish to align himself with the folks who streamed into the wilderness to listen to John? Weren't those the folks John called a brood of vipers? Weren't they desperate, broken, tainted, and sinful? Why would God choose such an odd moment in the Messiah's life 
such a mundane and perhaps even sordid moment to part the clouds and call Jesus the Beloved. Why indeed? Unbelievable as it seems, Jesus' first public act is an act of alignment, of radical and humble joining. His first step is a step towards us. Let it be so, he says to John in Matthew's version of the story, echoing the radical consent of his mother Mary, who raises him in the faith. Let it be so at the hands of another, he decides, indicating that his power lies in his capacity to surrender, to share, and to submit. Let it be so here, he further decides, in the Jordan River with its rich and sacred history, the Jordan where once upon a time Jesus' forebears, the ancient Israelites, entered the land of Canaan, the Jordan where the prophet Elijah ended his prophetic ministry and his successor Elisha inaugurated his, the Jordan which flowed under the same sky God first opened in the beginning at the dawn of creation. In other words, in this one moment, in this one act, Jesus steps into the whole story of God's work on earth and allows that story to resonate, deepen, and find completion. Moreover, in this one act, Jesus steps into the common and inescapable experience of living in a broken, sin-soaked world and hungering for righteousness, redemption, and restoration within that world. The question at stake is not about Jesus' personal sinfulness— The question is about what it means to declare genuine and costly solidarity with our neighbors in a world that is structurally, wholly, and jointly living in sin. We can't belong well to each other if we're busy erecting walls between our piety and their sinfulness. We are in this together. We are in all of this together. Our ancestors in the faith didn't know what to make of a God who would taint God's self by association. They couldn't understand Jesus' willingness to risk defilement by identifying himself with our messiness, our chaos, and our weakness. They, like us, wanted to keep their God separate, safe, and squeaky clean. But to embrace Christ's baptism story is to embrace the core truth that we are all united, interdependent, connected, and one. Our personal goodness notwithstanding, our baptisms bind us to all of humanity, not in theory, but in the flesh, such that you and I are kin responsible for each other in ways we fail so often to honor. We are called into radical solidarity, not radical separateness. In baptism, we are freed up to touch, embrace, and love all that is broken within and around us, precisely because we are always and already God's beloved. We're beloved not because we've done anything to earn it, but because God's very nature, inclination, and desire is to love and to birth that same kind of love in us. Baptism is all about stepping in, all about finding the holy in the course of my ordinary mundane life within the family of God, which means I must choose epiphany, even and especially when I find it jarring. I must choose it and then practice it. The challenge is always before me and before all of us. Look again. Look harder. See freshly. Stand in the place that looks utterly ordinary, and regardless of how scared or jaded you feel, cling to the possibility of a surprise that is God. Listen to the ordinary and know that it is infused with divine mystery. Stand in the dirty water with the people you'd rather not stand next to, skin to skin, fates knitted together, because holiness is in the spaces you'll create together. There is one baptism, one common hope for all of us, Epiphany is deep water. You can't dip your toes in. You must take a deep breath and plunge. 
Yes, baptism promises new life, but it always drowns before it resurrects. What reason for hope, then? Simply this. Jesus is the one who stands in line with us at the water's edge, willing to immerse himself in shame, scandal, repentance, and pain, all so that we might hear the only voice that will tell us who we are and whose we are in this sacred season. Listen. We are God's chosen, God's children, God's own. Even in the deepest, darkest water, we are the beloved. For books this week, Dan reviews The Undocumented Americans by Carla Cornejo Villaviencio. The day that I finished reading this book, our local media in San Diego reported that a suspected smuggling vessel struck a reef near the shore of Point Loma and disintegrated into bits and pieces. Three people died and 29 survivors were rescued. A year ago, as I walked along our beach, U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents were examining an abandoned panga boat that had washed ashore with 16 life jackets and numerous fuel containers. Barely a day goes by without some mention in the media of the 11 million undocumented people in America. Carla Cornejo Villaviencio, born in an Ecuadorian-American writer, who has channeled her own experiences as an undocumented immigrant into this bestseller that was shortlisted for the National Book Award for Nonfiction and on just about everyone's best-of-the-year list. She graduated from Harvard in 2011 as one of the first undocumented immigrants to do so. Today, she is a PhD student at Yale. The bland title of this memoir belies its incandescent tone. Don't imagine that you'll read anything like the standard journalistic detachment here. Quite the contrary. Via Viencio writes with an angry edge and to good effect. She writes not to inspire or even in the hopes that you will like her book. Rather, she says that she writes from a place of shared trauma, shared memories, shared pain. She's captured what real life for her fellow undocumented immigrants is like. Day laborers, dishwashers, house cleaners, construction workers, dog walkers, delivery men and cab drivers like her dad, before he lost his job and became a salad maker. In her telling, these people are far more than laborers, sufferers, or dreamers. They are our fellow human beings who deserve our compassion and respect. Each of her six chapters explores a specific place, Staten Island, Ground Zero, Miami, Flint, Cleveland, and New Haven. Via Viencio doesn't romanticize or condescend to her subjects. In the language of the dust jacket, the stories she tells are not deferential or naively inspirational, but show the love, magic, heartbreak, insanity, and vulgarity that infuse the day-to-day lives of undocumented immigrants. I love how she described Anthony Bourdain as a homie who got it. For more on this important subject, see Dan's reviews of Francisco Cantu, The Line Becomes a River, Dispatches from the Border, Lauren Markham, The Faraway Brothers, Two Young Migrants in the Making of an American Life, and the movies El Norte and Sin Nobre. For films this week, Dan reviews Curd Nerds, 2021. Not long ago, my son introduced me to several offbeat YouTube channels. I know this will be old news to many readers, but to me it was very educational to learn about the cultural landscape out there and in particular the many forms of today's digital media. In Aquaholic, the British host Nick Burnham shares with you the sheer joy of life afloat on yacht tours. Then there's Lockpicking Lawyer, which is exactly what it sounds like. In The Detail Geek, 
a young Canadian named Mitch cleans cars. And on the Hoof GP channel, Graham Parker of Kirkcow in Scotland cleans gnarly cow hooves. My favorite channel among such obscure options is by Gavin Weber. He has a, quote, normal job as an IT specialist, but since 2009, his real passion has been making cheese at home. His YouTube channel now has 260,000 subscribers. Webb has diversified into t-shirts and coffee cups with cute slogans like keep calm and make cheese, make cheese not war, blessed are the cheesemakers, and certified curd nerd. His YouTube segments feature him making a specific type of cheese, i.e. cheddar, and are about 20 minutes long. Some segments have had as many as 3 to 4 million views. He also has a Twitter account with 2,800 followers and has started a Curd Nerd Academy in which viewers learn to make cheese. What a joy it is to watch someone do something just because they love it. And lastly, for poetry, on this first Sunday after the Epiphany, Walter Brueggemann's Epiphany. On Epiphany Day, we are still the people walking. We are still people in the dark, and the darkness looms large around us, beset as we are by fear, anxiety, brutality, violence, loss, a dozen alienations we cannot manage. We are, we could be, people of your light. So we pray for the light of your glorious presence as we wait for your appearing. We pray for the light of your wondrous grace as we exhaust our coping capacity. We pray for your gift of newness that will override our weariness. We pray that we may see and know and hear and trust in your good rule. That we may have energy, courage, and freedom to enact your rule through the demands of this day. We submit our day to you and to your rule with deep joy and high hope. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for January 9th, 2022. I'm Debbie Thomas.